Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Miracles, monster performances and some minion ones too. Week 14 was another blockbuster weekend. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. The playoff picture is becoming clearer as some records are broken while others came. Oh, so very close. As ever, we'll be giving out our weekly Scottish Slanted Awards, hearing from you who you think should be winning each. And we'll round things off with some news items, including will Jason Witten stay in the booth or go back onto the field? That and other stories that have caught an eye this week. So let's kick off this edition as we do with every single one during the season and we'll look back at the action that's just happened and what a week it was. You know, I talked about it at the top there, miracles, and it was a miracle. Let's start there. If you listen to the two radio calls of the Patriots and of Miami, now I'll, I'll tell you this with a professional look, I've heard them both. The Miami guy starts disinterested completely. Couldn't be bothered, end of the game, we're going to lose, it's all dreadful. You know, he had that sort of Eeyore, not even professional, about him. And then once the second lateral happens, it's almost like somebody plugs him in and he realised that Drake is running through and he goes crazy. Bob Greasy, who's in the booth alongside him, goes crazy and it's a mess of a broadcast call. You know something's happened, you work out that, you know, a touchdown has come. So if you'd been listening, you would have known what was happening. But it was a hideous, hideous call. If you listen to the Patriots call, the Patriots play-by-play guy is quite chipper because it's the end of the game. They've got one play to go. He knows that Tannehill can't get it to the end zone, so he knows it's going to be a lateral. And he starts off quite chirpy, and then you start to hear the alarm. And then you hear from Scott Zolak, who's the the colour guy, all you hear is him saying, oh, Jesus. And that's all it takes, because then you know something bad's going to happen. And all credit, you know, the play-by-play man nailed it absolutely perfectly, um, set it all up, you know, touchdown, Patriots lose. There was then over 37 seconds of silence before the colour guy, Scott Lutzolak, comes in. And, you know, he's just near to tears. It was so funny, but what a play to see happen live. And what a game it was as well. It had been back and forth all the way through. Been really entertaining. And actually, the AFC East, we've got to give them credit because they served up two cracker games this weekend. But that Patriots-Dolphins, you know, um, Tannehill played really, really well. But that Kenyon Drake, and I mean, it goes down as a 69-yard touchdown. But I think if you play fantasy, it was a bit weird. Where it worked out as a 50-yard touchdown from a pass to Drake because it doesn't get all the yards because someone else got the initial ones. Um, but it's 69-yard play nonetheless. It's the longest since the merger of the two leagues to decide a game on the final play of regulation. And I mean, I've never seen the lateral thing work like that. Never. I've seen it tried plenty, but it never really amounts to anything. Someone ends up tackled or it goes out of bounds, it's fumbled. And Kenyon Drake, to be fair to him, he wasn't getting stopped. He was eyes up, he saw the gap, and he went for it. The only thing missing was the beep-beep from yeah. the roadrunner as, as he took off. I think I've seen it work in a college game, but, I mean, the pros is a different level. Everybody's set to know where they were going. Now, they talk about the Gronk being in the backfield. I mean, he looked like he was going backwards. He had no idea of the angle to take. Um, now, if you've seen Belichick's press conference, basically nobody asks him anything because they're scared, because there is no good question to ask Bill Belichick. 
Miami say that they practice this at the end of every practice. I think on a Friday, you know, they'll throw the ball around. Um, so there's there's some familiarity about it. It's not players just suddenly plunged into something. And I think if we learn anything, Cameron, from likes of hard knocks and programs like that, it's practice, practice, practice. Do not put yourself in a situation. You know, we see goal line practice. We see you know third and ten practice and all this kind of thing. It's situational football, and the Dolphins do this situational football. And, you know, it's a miracle. There's no doubt about it. But it was good. Yeah. We're told Bill Belichick is the one man who's ready for any situation. But that was the one situation he wasn't ready for. And I I would love to know what Drake thought when he looked up and saw that the last man was Gronk. I wonder just what he's thinking. I surely I'm getting in here. And you mentioned to me on the night, but it looked like Gronk had lead in his in his shoes. And he just toppled over. It's really not... He was there for the Hail Mary. Let's be honest. And... You made the point, though, because Tannehill doesn't have really the arm to, to achieve it. So with that in mind, you're thinking, okay, I guess you put Gronk in maybe just in case he somehow manages to do it. But, oh, yeah, you got to think. They were expecting it through the air. Yeah, I'll give them and a, it came on the ground. I'll give them a pass for that because they obviously thought it was coming that way. You know, Tannehill, it's the last play of the game. Just give it the big yahoo, everything you've got. So I, I can understand that. But you can see he's an attacking player, not a defensive player. The line he took was horrendous I watched the Army-Navy game and there was a key play with Army trying to get out of you know their own three or four there was a slant pass to the left hand side which the receiver juggled just slightly and that allowed the safety to come up and I mean crush the guy partly because he read the play and took the angle and again that's everything that Gronk didn't do because I mean he'd be standing back there he would have seen it go short he wouldn't have been expecting them to get past the defenders that were there. Now, he's the man that's being made to look like the GOAT, but there was three or four other players that were there. I mean, it was kind of like the tackling we saw Derek Henry um, the, the other night against the Jags. I mean, some of the tackling oh, was horrible. It was pathetic. It was pathetic. And actually, that, that tackling could be up for a contention for one of our awards this week. Because yes. I've got Derek, I'm sorry, Derek Henry is in my fantasy team. And I started the season with him playing. And very quickly, he made it onto my bench. And he sat there ever since. And like many people, he was sat there on Thursday night. And I played Leonard Fournette. And I woke up on Friday morning thinking, right, what have we done here? Hang on, 8.9 points. That's not great. I'm in a PPR league, just to asterisk that one. And then I looked down. 51 points for Derek Henry. Oh, just just an absolute nightmare. You're in a deep league if you've got him and you're playing him every week. But what a performance. For me, it shows what he's capable of. And actually, I, I the, the league I have him in is a dynasty one. And I picked him up two years ago, sat with him, because I've always felt he's got potential. He's a big running back. He's fast as well. The Titans have never found a way to get him going. And you can see from Henry, the first couple of yards, he needs a little bit of time to get going. But see when he gets away. See after that five-yard initial break, he's a hard man to bring mm. down. And that pack, initially, when he's building up his pace, he can be brought down. And you see more often than not, he... You know, he'll be averaging two or three yards a carry at best. Thursday night was absolutely unreal. What a monster. And he could have had more. Well, he should have had yeah. more. And that's the kind of performance that can get a coach fired. Uh, Doug Marone simmering nicely. Um, because that's the kind of thing that if your players are tackling as badly as they're tackling, that can put you in. We'll jump slightly away from the game. I'm getting a little bit fed up with all the speculation about coaching. If you've taken a team to a championship game, surely that buys you the next season, no matter really, unless your team is doing something utterly horrific. 
you know, surely that that buys you a little bit of time. And it's the same, you know, there's a bit of disquiet about Tomlin and the Steelers, and that might be the length of tenure as well. But again, he's delivered. If you've got a track record of delivering, it's all very well to say, get rid of the coach, but who's coming in? You've got to have a better alternative than what you're getting rid of. And I think, you know, we, we do like to talk about coaches, mm. you know, might go, who might stay. Uh, I mean, Hugh Jackson, we thought should have gone last year, eventually has gone. Greg Williams, congratulations, he's now got the same number of wins. Um, in about eight games or something like that. It's quite amazing, eight against 40 or something like that. So I think, you know, we've got to watch, but I think that's the kind of performance that does get people who make these decisions very worried whether you do have the right people in place. Jumping back to the games, I think we've got to give some kudos to the, the New York football giants, as they often like to be called. I mean, Washington, I'm not sure there's a team that's more injured than Washington, and I'm not sure there's a team playing like they've got more players injured than anybody else than Washington. I mean, to be stomped on at home in that manner borders on the embarrassing. It, it really does. And let's be honest, uh, Mark Sanchez was absolutely disgustingly bad. You know, a uh, passer rating of 53.7. He really didn't get it going at all. However, a little bit interesting, they brought in the next man up after that, uh, Josh Johnson, um, and he did an awful lot better. Um, and interestingly enough, he's signed to play in the Alliance of America Football League with the San Diego Fleet. Yes. So he's actually on their team, now playing for the Redskins, playing very well, which is in a way good for the Redskins. They've got someone in there coming in and doing something. And I mean, he's not thrown a pass in the NFL for, what was it, something like six years or something like that, they'd said. Absolutely unreal. But he's also inadvertently for the Alliance of America League advertising them, which they're thinking, absolutely brilliant, free PR. Thank you very much. We'll take that. Great mentions all the way. Can I, can I be slightly controversial? Yes. Sanchez was in when the game mattered. Johnson wasn't in when the game mattered. And therefore, teams do switch off. There's no doubt the Giants switched off. I mean, they stomped their way to victory. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets the start this week, can he replicate some of that? Sanchez just came too quickly at him, and the Giants seem to have that little bit of momentum. Um, but, I mean, the, the Giants are 5-8, are and eight, the Redskins 6-7. and seven. They might not win another game this year, and to have two quarterbacks go out uh, with, with leg breaks has just been utterly horrendous. For it them. is. And did I say that Sanchez had a 50 passer rating? I'm completely wrong. Mark Sanchez had a 10 passer rating <laughs> so I don't even know how I managed to do that I've, my eyes didn't believe that it was 10 I mean it's absolutely disgusting Mark Sanchez completed 6 for 14 for 38 yards 2 interceptions 5 sacks yeah. oh, I mean that's just it's just absolutely horrible and again you know we talked about this last week with the whole Kaepernick thing it doesn't help with that but Johnson came in like you say fine dead dead part of the game 11 for 16 195 yards one touchdown, one interception, but a passer rating of 104.9. Now, even in dead game, that still shows some kind of promise. So I fully anticipate he'll be starting. I think he's, he's got to start. Just just another little asterisk on the Army-Navy game was the Navy quarterback who was 0 for 4 with two interceptions before he got pulled. They're pretty much a running team, and you can understand why after that. But back to the NFL. I mean, it, it was the weekend of just brilliant games and I yeah. think this is why it's the best league in the world to sit and watch you do have games staggered 
to a certain extent. But most of them are there together on that one day, and you can just sit and gorge upon them. I mean, where do you start? I mean, the, the Steelers failing to nail a kick to level things up. You know, Boswell's foot goes from them. Raiders win. Um, Eagles-Cowboys. Quite an amazing finish yeah. there as well. Uh, Chargers took care of the Bengals relatively easily. Uh, I thought the Broncos were poor against your 49ers. Jets' Sam Darnold comes back, works a little bit of magic to get his side to win. But what about the Browns? The Browns <laughs> win two consecutive home games for the first time in over four years. I mean, that that's pretty good for them. And it's another notch for Greg Williams. Great performance. Travis Landry finally putting in a bit of a performance himself as well. Um, it was good to see. And they've got... They've got a little bit of edge. They've got a little bit of momentum. The Panthers, on the other hand, are almost in free fall, and I can't quite understand it. Now, I was watching the game, and Christian McCaffrey is this year's Todd Gurley. If you yes. play fantasy, he's points. He's absolute points. Give it to him, he's going to find the end zone. I was flabbergasted to see that stand right at the end when they had they were right on the goal line, and not once did they go to McCaffrey. He tried to throw it, Cam Newton, a couple of times into the end zone. And let's be honest, Cam's all right at throwing, but at that short range, I just don't think he's got accuracy. McCaffrey had already found the end zone twice. No problem at all. I don't understand why at least once they didn't give him the ball. Fine, I'm sure the Browns are expecting it, but they would be expecting it the two other times because it always goes to McCaffrey. He's been doing it week in, week out. I just think bad play calling on that one, to be perfectly honest. And Mike Riviera has obviously been taking over the defensive calls as well at points. That's not worked out for him. So I don't, I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's on the Shugley pay because I just don't think he is. But there's got to be some concern in Carolina. I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, Rivera, Ron Rivera, when you look at it, you can end a season well and everybody's happy or you can drop off a cliff. Now, if you drop off that cliff with no great explanation, so Washington are fine. They've had two quarterbacks go out. You can't really do much about that but the Panthers have just dropped like a stone I mean they're 6 and 7 there was, there was talk that the two games in the last three weeks against the Saints would be utterly crucial for the NFC South and the Saints have already won the NFC South uh, a little bit of criticism though for Sean Payton I don't think it's very nice to go into somebody else's house and lead them with false hope by not turning up in the first half having a wee laugh in the dressing room at half time and then just coming out scoring points at will um, I thought that was a little bit naughty of him um, but I did enjoy it in the end 25 I'll bet you did. unanswered points including I mean, you talk about obvious goal line situations the Saints on the goal line Drew Brees he is a master at that you know one yard up over the top he can jump he can get himself over they know it's coming nobody can seem to stop it not the tallest not the no. biggest quarterback by any stretch of the imagination not the youngest not the most mobile but you're right he does it every time even on fourth and one when they're slightly further down the field yeah. and they'll go to hell and get hell to do that running sometimes but Breeze is brown at it the only thing I saw one clip of one of the plays where obviously Hill was in the centre Breeze was out as wide receiver uh, and they highlighted, you know, he was showing the wide receivers the perfect running route. He didn't even flinch, didn't move a muscle. He never was going to... But come on, Drew, you could at least pretend to be a wide receiver. MV MVP doesn't need to do that. Don't, <laughs> don't you worry. We'll, we'll come back and argue that uh, a little while later. So what else caught your eye through? I mean, it was just a, it was a weekend of frantic finishes. I mean, the Colts-Texans was a cracking game as well. It really was, and the Texans came back into that one. I was surprised to see the Colts win. I mean, the Texans were the form team. Now it goes to the other team in Texas as the team with the hottest win streak. It's now the Cowboys. Uh, but that makes that division fascinating. 
the Colts have got now a big game up against the other Texan team. The now so straight out of beating the team with the biggest yeah. win run, they're on to the next team with the biggest win run. So tough game for them to come up. But you know the Texans have got that two game lead, probably enough to see them win at home. But you know the Colts and the Texans are in the conversation for the the wild card. And at one point, you know, I was surprised to see the AFC South potentially be as strong as that at one point we thought you know these will all take points off each other it could be quite low they've done really well um i saw someone online as well questioning that they would take that prescott for leadership and control over andrew luck at the moment can't remember the name someone that works for fox so right away i should probably ignore the opinion anyway but i thought shambles of a thing that is because andrew luck for me has been super impressive and you look at someone like ty hilton who they didn't even think was going to make the game didn't practice during the week, was questionable coming into the game, and what a performance he had on the day. It was absolutely superb. Um, so, you know, you can't take it away from Andrew Luck. Comes out of the game, 27-41, 399 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, sacked twice by a passer rating of 103.6. Andrew Luck, thankfully for all of us, is back, and he's as good as he was before he got his injury. So many question marks in the preseason. We worried, would he be the same player? But he is, and that's brilliant. I think it's tremendous because you, you look at it. I mean, they're seven and six, rookie head coach, quarterback coming back after season out with an injury, and it wasn't just an injury, Cameron. It was it was a fact of will he come back and actually be the same. So it was more than just a sort of normal injury from that point of view. But the poise is there, the calmness is there, and that's what just impresses me about him. And I wouldn't want to play the Colts. If they get in as a sixth seed, you do not want to play them because Andrew Luck is more than capable of picking up, pinging the ball uh, really wherever he likes. So I think that's quite dangerous. Let's talk about quarterbacks, the six highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. According to NFL research, only one of them is currently in a playoff position. Now, wow. Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo is obviously injured. Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr are the highest paid quarterbacks. The only one sitting in a potential playoff slot at the moment is Kirk Cousins. So and even then it's sugarly. It's very sugarly. Um, so it just goes to show. And some, I, I was talking to a Minnesota friend of mine today and he said, that, that can't be the case. He can't be the third highest. But I said, but where's Brady? It's, but that's what happens. You know, you get the new deal, the new deal, the new deal. So that that's all it is from there. So sometimes that that's what it, it can be. Um, but we talk about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback again, thanks to Mari Cooper. Uh, he leads the NFL in receiving yards with 642 since week nine, which was his first game as a Dallas Cowboy. There is more movement to me going on in the league than ever before, be it coaches getting fired, players getting moved, um, and the Cowboys, I want to watch there. Dak needed a target, and he's got it now. You look at his first season and he had uh, Des Bryant there as an option when Des was still, still sort of had his head screwed on. Last year, he took a big step back and it was Des was injured, so he was, his heart wasn't in it. And you really got to look and other than Witten, they wasn't thrown to anybody. Yeah. The first part of the season, he wasn't thrown to anybody. You know, they brought in Alan Hearns, Michael Gallup as a rookie, but... It's hard to put a rookie in there and expect him to be a wide receiver one in his first year. That's tough. And an offense as well, where all you do is mark the two receivers that you've got and then focus everything in on Ezekiel Elliott, because that's where it's coming. 
So now suddenly Amani Cooper is a target and he made a couple of great catches oh, as well. A couple of things stuff. that pinged off things and he just managed to haul it in. So fair play to him because there's been question marks over him as well. His head wasn't right. He's had a change of scenery. That's got a new target. They're linking up well. And yeah, what a performance. 42 for 54, 455 yards for three touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks, one fumble. But passer rating of 104.9. And I mean, two interceptions. It's still a decent Eagles defense. You know, they've still got a really good line. Fine, uh, we know they've had problems in the secondary. There's been a lot of injuries there. But that's not a bad, you know, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So that's going to happen. And actually, suddenly the Cowboys are real postseason contenders. Well, they are. If they play like that, they will be. Yeah, I mean, you can always see the white flag coming up from the Eagles. They're just not there. Uh, We saw that in person. Uh, yeah. They battled hard at Wembley, but we saw them in in the Superdome. They're, they're just it is hard that that second the season back after winning the Super Bowl is always hard. Just a word on Des Bryant hasn't dropped a pass this year. That's worth noting as well. <laughs> um, so I, I just thought we'd throw that one in as well. A couple of other great games. I mean the Ravens Chiefs. The Ravens were a play away from winning an Arrowhead, which I think tells you that they've righted that particular ship. Okay, they're only seven and six. And and that's the thing, isn't you know you could have been sitting at eight and five, and suddenly you're you're seven and six. The couple of fourth down opportunities to kill their opponents off, and credit to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who does deserve all the uh, second place MVP talk he's going to get. He made a couple of fantastic throws and running away from people, and he's just got that athletic ability, but. There are some mistakes, and I'll take those mistakes because he seems to be able to come back and just get the plays right. He's a very, very impressive young man. He's trying new things, and there was a no-look throw that that we tweeted from the official account, and it was brilliant, to be fair to It's lovely. It's the sort of stuff that you get in our football over here when you get a young player who's just willing to try something. And actually, you will forgive them for stuff going wrong because, do you know what? If you try it eight times and twice it goes wrong, we're fine because those eight times it goes right... Sorry, those six times it goes right, my maths is terrible. But yes, for all the times it goes right, as long as it's more than less, then we'll be fine and we'll accept it. We'll accept the mistakes as long as you learn from them. If you keep making the same mistakes over and over again and you're costing your team then it's a problem. Don't make dumb mistakes. That, that's the only thing I would ask from a rookie quarterback, in fact, any quarterback, in fact, any player, don't make dumb mistakes. You know, Whether it's lining up in the neutral zone, which is one of the penalties that drives me utterly crazy. And that cost a couple of teams this week as well. Don't be dumb. Be reasonably smart. Yes, you can make mistakes, but sometimes, you know, just don't, don't do dumb things. I mean, the games continue to be, I thought, pretty interesting. The Lions beating the Cards was, for me, a little bit of a surprise. Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald's most receptions with a single team in NFL history. We tip our cap to him on that. Vikings-Seahawks close at half-time. Seahawks pedal to the metal at the end. But the Bears and the Rams, I mean, if, if I'd offered you the spread of 25 points or less in the game, no. No, I wouldn't no. have taken that. Not a chance. Uh, Jared Goff somebody said that he looked like somebody on a field trip <laughs> that forgot to pack his jacket um, he looked cold he looked disinterested and he got picked off four times if you're going to be that Southern California boy you've got to be able to go into the cold places it's it's one of these things it almost sounds horribly cliched but it is a problem that teams from the warm weather can't necessarily handle the cold I was listening to I think it was Mike Carlson was being interviewed 
And he was talking about bowl games, why so many, you know, your Nebraska's, your Ohio's struggle in bowl games, because they go down to Florida and all of a sudden, you know, it's 80, 90 degrees and they're whacked by half time. Is that what Brady's problem is then with Miami? Because his stats down there are something unreal. He's 7 for 10, where he suffered his by far his most road losses. But the Patriots have lost five of the last six in South Florida. It's bizarre. Why have the Dolphins got that on them? Is it the temperature? I don't know. Is it that, you know, the Miami culture? If you've been to Miami, it's a very pleasing city to party in. Is there just something about they just don't get that serious vibe that Bill Belichick brings for them? Is that, you know, is it where they stay? Is it where they train? Is there just something that's not quite right? Because whatever they've been doing, if if they've not changed it yet, they're going to have to change it. They'd be as well flying in on the day of the game, walking off the plane and going to play, if they're going to constantly get done like that. Um, there's just something upsetting about it. Um, and the Texans will be kicking themselves, because had they won that, they would have gone into the number two slot in the AFC and would have uh, jumped above them. They're tied at the moment, but because the Patriots beat the Texans earlier in the season, they've got that game on them. And the Steelers got away with it as well. Mm. With you know, they, they had the chance to make up. Um, so they're probably they would have thought chance for us to make up. And as it is, they just didn't lose any ground. And the pack has got it closer. Well, it's that time of the week then when we start to turn to our weekly awards. And we kick off by getting some of your thoughts on Twitter. We always give out the same three awards, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on any other Scottish slanted ones that we want to give away. So we'll start first of all, and there's going to be not a lot of surprises for our Porridge Award this week. Michael McLeod comes in right away and says, the winner of the Porridge has to be Derek Henry. Um, pretty much there's a theme here where there's only one or two people have gone for anybody other than Derek Henry. And just before we go on to some of the other ones, just want to point out one thing. Derek Henry is only the second player ever to have a 99-yard running touchdown. The first player to do so was Tony Dorsett for the Dallas Cowboys in 1983. Joe Buck called the Derek Henry 99-yard, and Jack Buck was the one who called the Tony Dorsett one. And you know what the key thing to take out of that is? Nepotism. <laughs> if you look at the announcers, particularly on Fox, so you've got the Bucks, you've yeah. got the Alberts, the Brennans. Nepotism. <laughs> Nepotism. It's a horrible thing in That's broadcast. what the N stands for in NFL. Yep. <laughs> so Graham Taylor then, he got in touch. Most Scottish-like performance, the Patriots. Fair one. Uh, Honkin goes to Mark Sanchez, and it's hard to argue against that one. Lou got in touch. Most Scottish-like performance is his Titans. Hard smash mouth. <laughs> love it. Love it. Honkin Award goes to the Vikings. So much for Kirk Cousins, which is a fair question. He's really not quite said the Heather Light sacked their offensive coordinator this week. We'll see if that makes any difference whatsoever. And for his porridge, uh, Derek Henry, of course. Uh, the one person to come in and say otherwise for porridge was Lorne Callahan. Um, he says, of course, Amari Cooper. But he would because he's a Cowboys fan. However, Amari did have an absolute belter. He actually says, um, and he quotes it, when the moon hits your eyes like a big pizza pie, that's Amari. That's hard to beat. You need to go over and teach that to the Cowboys fans. <laughs> that, that, that would be very interesting. Surely you change the lyrics as well. So when the ball hits the zone and you hear the winning tone, that's Amari. Yeah, see, there you go. More creativity, Lauren. Come on. Scottish performance, though, he says the Patriots. Again, we can get that honking. He gives it to the Redskins. Uh, Andy Robson's been in touch. He's a Redskins fan. He says honking, Washington Redskins. All of them, even the front office. 
Well, particularly the front office. Again, they get a slight little pass from the point of view that they've got two quarterbacks out, but hey, they'd probably drop that as well. Grandpa Grumps in touch. Most Scottish-like performance, he gives it to the Patriots as well. Honking the Redskins. Porridge goes to Derek Henry. And James Whitson gets in touch. Honking award goes to Gronk's attempt to play safety. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is very true. We mentioned it briefly, but we should just touch on it in terms of awards. For that long-term porridge, Larry Fitzgerald for breaking the record catches with one team. We nod to him. But what about um, Tom Brady's record being broken by that man, Aaron Rodgers, the most consecutive attempts at home without an interception. Well played, sir. Absolutely brilliant. And the one thing that goes away from this as well is Brady set a record. So he's now got 582 career uh, touchdowns, including regular season and postseason, which means that he breaks his tie with Peyton Manning, which was previously 579 for the most ever. So he set that record. New ground that he's on, but doesn't get a look in because of that final play. Yeah, but it's just, it's all about, as Al Davis used to say, just win, baby. Yeah, just indeed. win. So we need to give our awards, though, but we could probably wrap through this pretty quick, I think. Most Scottish like performance, the Patriots for that last play. You could actually argue it's Miami because yeah. that was very Scottish-like <laughs> as well. It's like, I've got the ball, I don't want it, you take it, see if you can have it. And, you know, you get this little guy who's nobody's expecting to do anything. So you could argue that both ways. It depends how you take the award. So you, I Derek Henry for Porridge. It's, it simply has yes. to be. I mean, he was just quite amazing. We, we like, if, if you're new to the podcast, we like to do things that haven't been done before or are very, very rarely done. And, and to me, that, that Derek Henry. Final one I'm going to mention, because Derek Henry's right, Amari Cooper, totally. Dak Prescott played really well. Kicker love. We don't give an awful lot of kicker love on this. Michael Badgley for the Chargers. Yes. He had a great afternoon. Hit four for four for field goals, two for two for extra points. He scored 14 off the 26 points that the Chargers got. And I saw someone come up with a great nickname for him. We've had the mon- uh, the honey badger. He's the money badger. Ooh, no, that, that was good. That is pretty good, and, and I'm sure he'll be quite happy with that. Especially when somebody's kicking for their job, which effectively he was. And there'll be a few jobs opening up because there's one or two kickers just starting to go off the boil. Final one goes out to Brett Mayer as well. 62-yard field goal. That was a belter. I'd love the opportunity just to give it a real dunt. Because sometimes, <laughs> you see, they don't just sneak over. They go over by... A fair bit, yeah. but I think part of it is the, the psychology of it. And yet, you know, you had Greg Williams, his kicker, uh, there was an offside penalty. Uh, they've got moved five yards further up. Apparently they had to take the penalty um, and they missed the extra point from yeah. closer. I thought they were going to totally browns that, but they got away with it. They got away with it. Anyway, that sums things up for week 14. Let's have a look ahead to week 15. 16 games coming up. Thursday night football, Saturday night football, Sunday football, Monday football. A lot of football coming up, but by my calculation, only two games that I think they're as dead as a dodo. Uh, Raiders taking on the Bengals. Bengals five-game losing streak, the longest in eight years. And the Cards and the Falcons doesn't really have much to go for it. So the Battle of the Birds uh, ain't going to be one that's particularly interesting. Thursday night football, well, they've got a good ticket game there. The Chargers and the Chiefs. Uh, 10 and 3 Chargers, 11 and 2 Chiefs. Chargers win this. Everything's up to play for in terms of you know winning the division, seedings. It's a tough one though. Uh, the battle of the two, only two 10 win teams in the AFC. 
Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting one because there's not going to be a lot of running backs in this game by the looks of things on Thursday night. Melvin Gordon looks as though it's going to be a game time decision but not likely to make it. Uh, Austin Eckler injured himself at the weekend. So up steps the next man, Justin Jackson. Um, they've got the fullback as well, Watt, who's the brother of um, JJ Watt. So, uh, okay, fine. On the other side, obviously, we know Kareem Hunt is no longer with them. But Spencer Ware took a nasty knock as well. So Damian Williams, now he scored two touchdowns at the weekend, obviously did all right. But with the Chiefs, it felt like, obviously, with Ware and Williams, they offered two different edges there. Um, if they've just got Williams in, they're down pretty skin, pretty thin on the ground on that side of things. So it's going to be through the air. And if it's through the air, it could be one heck of a game. Well, I've got Philip Rivers in my fantasy semi-final, so I would take that. If Gordon plays, he's going back in the team as well. <laughs> it's a tasty one because if the Chargers beat the Chiefs, I think that's a big, big statement. Mm. I, I know people will think I'm in love with the Chargers. I do think they're a very, very talented football team, very well-coached football team. So we'll see where that takes us. A little bit of Saturday football as well, the Texans and Jets. That's quite an interesting little game because the Texans had the nine-game winning streak snapped. But the Jets, you just don't know what you're going to get. They can be good, they can be bad. I mean, they were horrible a couple of weeks ago and then they go and win at the Bills. Browns and Broncos, the Broncos are six and seven. They should be seven and six. I thought they were very poor in San Francisco. But the Browns are a watchable team. They are. And that Broncos one, what a shame for George Kittle. That's the one thing I'll say as a Niner. Four yards away from tying the record for the all-time receiving yards. And there's footage of Kyle Shanahan straight after the game saying, I am so sorry and I'm so sick I didn't give you the ball one more time. I don't think they'd perhaps realised it until much later in the game that he was that close to the record. What a performance he had. And actually, we maybe should have mentioned him in the conversation for the porridge chat. If he'd broken the record, though, I think he would have been in there. Um, But yeah, the Broncos were really disappointing. Um, considering as well, you look at what they're doing on defence uh, and they're actually not playing horribly bad. Um, you know, you've got Chubbs coming in there and he's beaten Von Miller's rookie record um, for the most uh, sacks in a rookie season. So, you know, they're getting pressure there, but they just... It, I didn't see that result coming at all. I was really surprised. And actually, both both the Raiders and the Niners kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit in the race for the number one pick because they both won. So now you've got three teams sitting there on three and ten. Um, and if anyone else picks up wins through the season, it's almost that weird situation where you're not really playing for anything other than pride. But, but at the same time, you don't want your team to lose. So it's it's an odd one. It is. But, I mean, the players there are playing for their jobs. That's always key. But I think unless you're going for a quarterback, I think you can afford to be in the top five. Um, the, only, the only other reason to try and get the top pick is then to trade it to somebody in desperate need of a quarterback. There's a lot of games this week that, that teams are on the bubble. The Titans, Giants, 7-6 and six Titans. The Giants, you would feel they're out of it, but it's a big game for the Titans. The Dolphins, can they go into the Vikings and follow up the win against New England? Well, we saw that the Titans couldn't do that when they beat New England. The Vikings, they desperately need a win at home. They must win that game. Uh, Redskins, Jaguars, now... People might think, well, why didn't you include that in the list of games that are as dead as a dodo? Well, the Redskins actually aren't dead as a dodo yet. (laughs) Bizarrely so. You know, and and that is strange. I mean, the Jags are out of it, but the Redskins still technically, with the Cowboys only two games ahead, could still actually do something. I don't think they will. The Cowboys, though, could lose at the Colts. So the Cowboys 
conceivably could go to eight and six, and the Redskins seven and seven. So you, you can't rule anything out. If there was a game that I could watch, it would be Cowboys Colts, fascinated by Dak Prescott and Andrew Luck coming together. We mentioned the Raiders Bengals, Packers at the Bears. Now this is like a football derby. It doesn't matter how well the Packers are playing or the Bears are playing. It's always a bit of a struggle of a game. Packers usually have had the upper hand, but you know the Bears can clinch their first NFC North title since 2010. Now that's a wonderful thing to do. To do it at home, that's a wonderful thing to do. To do it against the Packers, you bet these tickets are going to be hard to become by at Soldier Field this weekend. Yeah, too right. Um, I mean, I went, I've talked about it before, I went to the week one uh, Bears-Packers game and had to pay four times the price for a ticket to get to that. I, I was in Chicago, so there's no way I wasn't going. I just I just took the knock and went. But it's a hot game. Um, and actually, in a bizarre way, the Packers aren't completely out of it themselves. With the Vikings losing, with the Panthers falling back, um, you know, the Seahawks are there... Eight and five. I think they're definitely picking up that wild card. But the teams that are then in second are the Eagles, the Redskins, the Panthers, um, all at six and seven. Actually, the Vikings are there six, six and one. But the Packers are only one game behind them. So there's no way you can discount them yet. Again, it's not impossible. And I think the, the Bears will know that and, and they'll be prepared for that without any doubt. Uh, I probably haven't looked at this properly. The Lions... Bills, I think we could probably write off as well. But the Lions, again, if they win out... Super outside chance. Super outside chance. They could finish the season 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, It's not likely. I no. think that the injuries there have been a real problem. And they came up against Arizona last week um, and didn't, you know, didn't do particularly well. It was Matt Stafford's lowest amount of yards in a game that he didn't leave early in, in his entire career. So, you know, they just didn't get it going. But again, injuries have kind of destroyed their offensive season. So, been a problem there. Uh, it's interesting. And I think that, you know what, there's a lot of these teams are going to be completely out of it by the end of next week. I know that's a fairly obvious statement to make, but it feels close right now, coming into this. It feels like there's a lot of potentials if they just do this. If this team can just win out, then maybe, maybe, maybe. I think getting through this round of fixtures is going to leave it pretty clean and cut. We'll get down to that position where you're talking about your divisional winners pretty much being tied up in theory. Uh, They could all be tied up other than, I think, the AFC North on one side, the NFC East. Um, but the rest could be done and dusted yeah. uh, and then it's wild card chat but the wild card chat is fascinating and yeah. you see it, it might be obvious but the thing is we can't pick who they're going to be so it's not that obvious and the fact you know it, it's really really difficult to look at that um, the Seahawks you would expect to go in and take care of the 49ers yeah, sadly Pat, Pat Steelers <laughs> two teams coming off losses that nobody expected uh, the Steelers 3-11 and against the Patriots in the last 14 that includes playoffs that's not particularly pretty. Big Ben was out. Big Ben came back in, did very well. Yes. And they, they couldn't see it out. Eagles-Rams on paper, fabulous game in practice. Don't think it will be. Carson Wentz might miss out. Nick Foles has to come in and show some of that Super Bowl winning form. And Saints-Panthers, simply because it's a divisional game, will be a little bit nasty. But, I mean, the Saints are 11-2. and two. The Panthers are 6-7. and seven. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you might have thought that would have been a... An eight and five against a you know a nine and four team, and it's a shame and a bit because it's maybe lost a bit of its edge. Yes. Because had this been closer, yeah, if if the Saints were playing this and this was the game to secure the 
the division of what a game it would have been. But now that they've already got it, the Panthers are in free fall. It's a bit of a shame for the Monday night game to go that way. But I still think it'll be fascinating. The Panthers will want to win. The Saints won't want them to win. Um, I don't think they'll take the foot off the gas. They've got to carry that momentum going forward. Uh, especially, you know, you start easing off now, then you go and, you know, you don't want to roll into the off-season. You want to power your way through it. Plus, they've got to play for that number one home field advantage all Absolutely. the way through. Um, and the Rams losing to the Bears has given them the perfect opportunity to do so. So they need to really keep the foot down and push through. So I think it's fascinating for that reason. You know, it's between the Rams and the Saints now for that home field advantage. Uh, and that's going to be huge because I think if the Rams have to go to the Superdome, it's a completely different set of circumstances than the other way around. We've been there. We've seen how loud it is. We've seen in previous years, teams really struggle there. It could be a firecracker. And really, if the Saints can get that number one, you know, that home field advantage, I think you've got to put them down as the favourites. Oh, I, I think they will be the favourites if they can stay in the Dome. That That is w- without a doubt for me. Can I talk to you about the final Monday night football game yeah. of the season? Because obviously all the games on the last week finish on the Sunday. What a game. Broncos against Raiders. <laughs> now, at the start of the season, now if you're not aware, you're not allowed to flex out the Monday night football game. You have to pick games all the way through and it's a really, really horribly difficult thing to do. But the week 16 game is that. It's Broncos against the Raiders. It is a honking, potentially a honking game. Now, if the Broncos can win this week, it makes it slightly less honking. But it's it's just one of these things you don't necessarily expect. And, and that's what's happened. There's a host of 925 games. There's three uh, next week. Cards, Seahawks, 49ers, Rams, Chargers, Broncos all featuring sort of one-sided teams, yeah. but it might matter. And that that's what's going to be interesting about Week 17. It can be for home field advantage as well as seeding place. So, But while I'm talking about Monday Night Football, the story coming out of Dallas this week is that Jason Witten was asked to go back and play for the Dallas Cowboys because they thought they've got a wee they've sniff a of chance. a chance. Yeah, um, Would he come out of the broadcast booth and go back onto the field. I mean, Monday night viewers were questioned and said, yes, please do. Can you take Booger McFarlane with him? And can you take that wonderful truck trailer thing that they keep moving up and down in front of people? Um, I, I think it's an impossible situation for Jason Witten, who's a great bloke by all accounts, really nice guy, struggling badly in the broadcast booth. Has he left Dallas a year too early? In answer, no, because jobs like that don't come around all that often mm. there's no guarantee they would have waited for him if he hadn't wanted to go there but they continue to be rated the worst broadcast team in America and that's that's causing ESPN problems that their graphics are horrible I've mentioned this before I'd love to get the chance to to redo Monday Night Football great chance for Witten to get out of the situation and keep his head held high Rather than get to the end of the season and be pinned, it's perhaps something he might really sit down and consider if it is a true offer to him. Because he can then go, do you know what, I'm going to go and give it one more go. And he walks away from Monday Night Football coverage going, do you know what, give it a try. 
but this was great. Yeah. And everyone will just go, oh, good, oh, good, good luck to you. Well done, you, you know. When the chance comes round again, maybe they'll consider them in a different slot. And it kind of is a bit of a, yeah, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, as they say. And this might be exactly that. So we'll be interested to see if it's a true offer. Yeah, that, that's certainly an interesting one. Other news stories uh, that are catching my eye. Jackson, ahead of Flacco. I'm not necessarily surprised by this because their game's completely changed since. Now, John Harbaugh was someone whose name was coming up a little bit as someone who might be on the bubble, the the red seat, the hot seat, whatever you want to call it. Um, There were some people maybe saying, oh, he might end up in Cleveland or something like that. Mm -hmm. But the performances that they've put in under Jackson have actually changed certainly my outlook on that team and they're, they're, they're winning okay fine they didn't beat the Chiefs but they gave them one heck of a game Yes, more so than a lot of people have done so so they didn't look all that bad um, I'm think, not surprised Lamar Jackson's a really interesting player and I think it'll be interesting to see a couple of other things that, that caught my eye the NFL Network have claimed that they've tracked down the Miami Miracle Ball you might remember that Kenyon Drake threw it into the crowd and then probably realised that he shouldn't he shouldn't have done that because uh, it might have been a very good souvenir, but apparently the reporter, they've tracked it down. He did go onto social media to say he would make a very good offer for anybody that wants to get the ball. My thing would be, you want the ball, I want a suite for all eight home games next season. Simple as that, a suite and parking... And let's be honest, Miami would go, yeah, there you go. That would do it for me. Uh, Some breaking news that's actually coming through. Michael Signora, now I hope I've pronounced that right, um, has tweeted that there will be five NFL games played internationally in 2019. Four in London that we knew about and one in Mexico City. So confirmation that they're going back to Mexico. Details to follow next spring, but the home teams will be the Jacksonville Jaguars, the LA Chargers, the LA Rams, the Oakland Raiders, although... Next year, who knows yeah, what, what readers what they are, be and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think that's quite an interesting one. Now we've seen the Rams play; they were due to play in Mexico. Yes. So whether or not they send them back to Mexico will be interesting. But if that is the case, then that means that we would have the. I mean, the Jags will be at Wembley. We pretty Absolutely. much know that. Um, or will they be at Tottenham? Or will they be at Tottenham? That's a good point. They'll definitely be in London. Yes. So. Um, It'll be interesting, that one. Um, but obviously, Jags, Chargers, Rams, Raiders, and Buccaneers. So confirmation of those ones coming out. Um, so, you know, we've heard a lot of chat about them trying to get the teams over that haven't been before. So it'll be interesting to see, I don't know off the top of my head, um, whether any of these teams are scheduled to play the Packers, the Panthers, uh, the Sea. Oh, no, the Seahawks have been. That was the other team that I'm thinking of. Um, it's the Packers the Texans, Texans haven't come over either. So be interesting to see if it's any of those that do make it over. To me, there's absolutely no surprises in the teams that have been announced. Um, the Chargers, Chargers might come over as Super Bowl champions. You never know. That, I mean, but they play in the smallest stadium in the league. It's a nice little place, but it is tiny. Uh, the Rams, yeah, they were always going to give up home game. I think that's that's got Mexico written all over it again. Uh, the Raiders, well, they're in flux. They were always going to come over, and Tampa Bay simply cannot sell out. And so again, they're the easiest team to come and lift. What you've got to do, I mean, out of that, are people getting tired of seeing the Jaguars? That's possible. 
Yeah. I don't think you'll tire of seeing Philip Rivers play for the Chargers and Melvin Gordon. That certainly wouldn't bother me. The Rams, as I say, I think they'll go to Mexico, but you would go and see them. The Raiders, well, it's a rebuild Raiders and Tampa Bay, goodness knows. <laughs> I mean, they've won five games, but that's just causing them problems. It's making it hard to sack their colour. Yeah. And, and again, that's a problem. I mean, if they'd completely tanked. But, I mean, the Rams... You know, you think are great, but if you look at Tampa, I mean, they could finish above the Panthers. They're already above the Falcons. And if he finishes second, for example, to the Saints, now remember, um, the Saints play the Panthers twice, so if they beat them home and away, you know, they're going to be down. Tampa pick up two wins. They could say, well, we finished second to a very good Saints team. That's hard going. And that's actually the one game, if they were to bring that to London, Tampa Bay versus the Panthers. That could be a cracker. That could be, I mean, because there's there's the early argument because people have seen that game often enough down there. It gets the Panthers over. Um, at the moment, it'd be Winston against Newton, but who knows if yeah. that would be the case. And a divisional game would bring people out. The other thing it'd be good for is because people will fly to London to watch it from the East Coast. So you get a little bit of that atmosphere around it as well. That's a really interesting shout. So before we wrap up then, we need to just touch on our pick six section. Um, And we've had something done that hasn't been done so far, so I'm going to give a little bit of an update. You, Paul, scored three right last week, so not bad. I managed to get four. Well played. So that leaves you on 48. That moves me to 34. I'm still 14 behind you. I don't think I'm catching this up. Quite fancy the win, but... However, you've got some competition. Because Lauren Callahan, who listens and regularly contributes to this show, um, we asked him as one of our top guests to pick this week. And he's done something that no one else has done. And he's got six out of six right. He picked the Packers, the Chiefs, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Bears and the Seahawks. He is now only four. He's got the guest to only four behind you there on 44. Well, well played for going with the Jets, because that, that to me was the real gutsy one there. So, so well played. Um, I went for the Jets too, by the way. Just if you're giving kudos, well I want played, some too. well played to anybody who went with the Jets. But he went Bears over Rams as well, which yeah. is a, a, a strong one. Um, he's played an absolute blinder, to be fair. I, I absolutely applaud him. Uh, well played, and whoever's coming this week, I'll pick the guest this week. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that sounds fair. Um, but Lauren, what we're going to do is just to say well done to you, the first man to do it. We're going to get a little something organised for you and get it in the post, so you can look forward to that. Just as a little thanks from us as well, and well done for your six out of six. Pick six, got six right. Well played. So that concludes everything then for episode 31. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to you for listening. We recently hit over 6,000 downloads. That's some milestone. Thanks to everybody who downloads. Please keep sharing details about the podcast with all your NFL friends and continue to let us know what you think. Keep giving us your nominations for our regular weekly awards. We've loved reading your suggestions. And keep some of those other Scottish slanted awards coming. We've enjoyed reading those too. We'll be back again next week as we pick up our All the Week 15 action, discussing all the headlines. We'll probably write off a number of other teams and I'll still be winning the pick six, hopefully. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.